Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to continue our conversation with Karen Hurt, a leadership development professional who helps human-centered leaders resolve workplace ambiguity so they can drive innovation, productivity, and revenue without burning out employees. After two decades as a Verizon executive, Karen and her husband, David Dye, founded Let's Grow Leaders, a training firm focused on human-centered leadership development for those determined to get breakthrough results without losing their humanity. Leaders they found were hungry for practical tools and leadership development that sticks. Since the inception of Let's Grow Leaders in 2013, Karen and David had helped grow over 10,000 leaders in 14 countries and are active in their philanthropic initiative Winning Wells, which builds clean water wells for the people of Cambodia. Recently named by Inc. Magazine as a top 100 great leadership speaker, Karen is the award-winning author of four books, including Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates, which we talked about at our last podcast and we'll continue to talk about today, and Winning Well, A Manager's Guide to Getting Results Without Losing Your Soul, and hosts the popular LinkedIn show, Asking for a Friend. Let's get back to our conversation with Karen. Another area in the book, you know, and you talk about Amy Edmondson is when you think about being brave at work is in some ways it's an obligation. You know, if you see something that should be done differently or there there are other ideas on how to do it or somebody's behaving in a way at a meeting that is distracting and everybody's having what I call a water cooler moment, which is we don't say something at the meeting, but after the meeting, we're all at the water cooler talking about it and how terrible it was. And, uh, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about your thoughts on, you know, are people obligated to be braver in the workplace and say things that need to be said or do things that need to be done? Yeah, so it's interesting, right? The psychological safety, you know, our theory and our our whole approach here is if you have a truly courageous culture, people shouldn't have to be brave because it, it shouldn't feel scary to speak up. And so, you know, Amy Emmonson said, is it psychological safety or courage, right? There are two sides of the same coin is what she says, you know, and you, so you think about it and you want to work on both things. So you want to be, work on the psychological safety element of it because 
you know, and Amy talks about this, how people are much more likely to hold on to a negative experience that they've had in the past and discount the future um, and thinking that, you know, the future benefit of speaking up is not as good as just feeling safe right now. And I think why that is so important for human-centered leaders who are likely the ones that are listening, right? If people are listening to your podcast, they're really working on their leadership. They want to be, uh, they want to lead well. They want to create be, uh, an environment where people can be brave at work. It's possible that even if you are the most human-centered leader, really wanting to encourage people to have more courage, there's possibility that they have had a negative experience in the past that they are holding on to, which means you need to be even more deliberate. And I learned that in my own, uh, it was really interesting this way before I was a writer and, you know, I was an executive at Verizon and I was driving, um, on some store visits because I was store director with a, um, with a woman, she was five levels below me. But I felt like I had built a good relationship with her and I was asking her for her ideas. And, and, she, and she just looked at me and she said, Karen, I'm sorry, but I am not going to share. I've been burned in the past. And I said, I was so upset. I said, have I ever done anything that would make you feel like I would react poorly? She's like, no, you haven't. And I, she said, but I'm still not going to share. <laughs> so that became my mission, right? To turn that one around. But, you know, so I'm like, and I, I really do believe I was leading in a way because I, I, you know, this stuff is at my core. And, uh, but, you know, she had come from a toxic environment uh, and had some bad bosses in the past. And that apparently that led, a, you know, left a lot of scar tissue. Yeah. Well, look, this podcast isn't focused on bad leaders, but let's just leave it that there are a lot of leaders out there that influence their workplace in negative ways. Uh, people today move into leadership roles faster than ever. You know, I love the old IBM model where you started in the mailroom and 50 years later, you were the SVP of sales, but it took you that long and you were in each role for four or five years. And today, you know, I have clients who in one year have three different roles. And, you know, they're just moving and constantly moving because people believe that change is now good. And if we're not changing, we're dying and we've got to keep moving. In your last you know, commentary, you mentioned a phrase that I'd love to hear you reference, uh, talk about a little bit, which is safe silence. You know, this is something that I believe many people who are not brave at work, who go home saying I should have said something or I should do something. I don't know what to do. They're kind of hiding or living in this world of what they might consider to be safe silence. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, it, it's interesting. So the safe, the concept of safe silence is, well, if I do speak up, some there could be a negative repercussion. But if I don't say anything and just keep my head down and do my job, it's going to be fine. But the truth is, silence really isn't safe. If you if you have something, if something is wrong, or something is negatively impacting the customer experience or the employee experience, or, or you have a better way to do things, and you are sitting there and suffering. I mean, that's that's the really interesting thing, isn't it? Being a consultant, you know, you go in and you 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 talk to people and you make a recommendation, and um, you know. It, it, people told the consultant, but they wouldn't have told their boss. And we're like, you could have saved a lot of money if you just told your boss, right? And <laughs> so that's, I I think safe silence is, is it really safe? That's what I would ask, you know, are are you 
suffering because if you are suffering or if you're going home and you you know you can't relax at night or your the dinner table conversation is about how frustrated you are is that healthy or would you be better off um, sharing it and so that's part of I think this has to go both ways so you know one of the things we do is we work with leaders on how do you create a psych psychological safety how do you go out and be really clear about what a good idea would accomplish how do you proactively go ask for ideas that's part of it but the other side of it is helping employees get better at sharing their ideas because one of the things is, I mean, sometimes, and I know I've, especially young, earlier in my career, right? You're so passionate about an idea and you, and it comes out clumsy. And either it's like way too over the top energized and everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't have time for that. Stop. Right. Or it's off pace because it's not really strategically aligned where we're, things are headed. Um, or, you know, it's coming out in anger, like we've got to fix this freaking thing, right? And so everybody shuts down. So this is why we uh, teach the idea model, which is if you've got a great idea, so so you this is how you, you know, hey, boss, I really care about this team. I care about where we're headed. And I have an idea that I think will improve the business. Would you be interested in hearing it? Now, what boss is going to say no to that, right? So, all right, here's why I think this idea is I, interesting, meaning it's strategically aligned with where we're headed because I get where we're headed. It's D, doable, because especially right now, like we, we are, we're all out of bandwidth, right? So here's why I think we could actually pull this off. E, is it engaging? Meaning who else do you think would think this is a good idea? So, you know, I've already talked to HR and they said, yeah, I think we could do this. Or I've already checked with IT to see how um, difficult that solution would be. And then A, here are a couple of key actions that I recommend. You get bonus points if you take on the key actions. Here's what I'd like to do to get started, right? If you go to your manager with that, I mean, they still might say no, of course, but you are going to be seen as a critical thinker who cares about the business. And that even if the idea is not implemented, I think that is goes a really long way in building trust and, and seeing you as a, a you know really vital player on the team. Well, I love the idea model. I'll have to think to see if you can apply the idea model to being brave at work. So I'll have to, that's, that's not homework for right now, but I'll have to think about that to see if there's a way, if I need to tell my boss about his or her behavior and that is negatively influencing the team if there's an idea way i can i can share that but i do want to talk just a little bit about your courageous culture model which is based on clarity and curiosity and there are kind of seven steps we won't have time to go through each of those but you know, why clarity and curiosity why are those the two key components of the model because there you know there is that is there's a real balancing act and if you think about it to any organization that you've worked in there's usually a tendency to either have a clarity culture or a curiosity culture. So if you've got a clear, high clarity culture, it's like buttoned up. This is where we're headed. This is what we do. This is how we do things around here. These are the policies. This is what the script is when you call the call center, right? A high clarity culture, 
can, gets things moving fast. You know, you can predict the outcomes. But if you're overly focused on clarity with the expense of curiosity, you're missing those elements of being able to improve, continuously improve, or, or find some new way of doing things. Or um, and and so a high clarity culture could get you in trouble because the market could be moving. You know, other things. You're a new competitor who is showing up more curious. Uh, could could come out of nowhere, and you know all the business books are filled with lots of stories of of things like that. If you've got a curiosity culture, this is where you know people are constantly invited and encouraged to bring up new ideas. You're showing up current. You're always asking, "How could we do this better? What else should we be doing?" Great. If you've got a culture that's only curious, though, you spend all minute, so much time generating ideas, you don't actually get anything done because there's always a different way to do things. And so we see, you know, when you're really building a courageous culture as we define it, you are doing both this elegant dance between clarity and curiosity. So first you start, and you start where we, we invite you to start where you aren't, right? Like if you've got a start high clarity Aren't. Yeah. Aren't. So if you've got a clarity, high clarity culture, how can you build in some more curiosity elements? If you've got a high curiosity culture, how can you pick some of those great ideas and A, get more clear about how you're actually going to pull them off? And so what we say, you know, so if you want to start with clarity, uh, let's assume you, you, you need to get more curiosity, we we'll start with clarity. And clarity is about two things. One is clarity that you really do want people's ideas. And clarity about what a great idea would accomplish. This is: Do people understand where your culture, uh, you know, what, where your strategy is headed? And you know, when we first started playing around with some of our tools, like three years ago, before the book was actually published, and we were testing some things, one of the things that we found is. You don't want to just go into a group and say, "Okay, we're going to use these tools to come up with any idea that you want." It's totally overwhelming for people. So if you can start and say, we are going to talk about, we, right now we need ideas about how we can be more productive working from home. I'm making that up, but you pick one, you know, three areas, right? Then people are like, oh, I have ideas about that, right? But if you could just say, what ideas do you have to, and how we can improve the business? It's just too much. So it starts with clarity. Then it's about curiosity, creating curiosity. And this is about deliberately going out and asking people for their ideas. And we have a variety of ways to do that, you know, including asking a courageous question, which is just a simple question that's both specific and vulnerable. You know, uh, John Yeager, who is a, a, a good friend of mine, he's been a uh, client for a while. Um, he is a COO of a contact center organization. And he just asked this question. He's been asking this question for 10 years. What is one policy we have that just sucks? I love it because he's the COO. He makes the policies, you know? And so he is assuming that he's got a policy that's ticking off the customers and he wants his employees to tell him what that policy is. And uh, and then he does something about it. You know, so that's so that's good. It's and it's very specific. It's safe for him to ask that question cuz he's just asking for one. And then once people start to ask that answer that question, then he can say, "Oh, thank you so much. Is there anything else?" And now they're in dialogue. 
I love that. So it, it sounds as though clarity and curiosity feed each other, right? That clarity creates more curiosity and curiosity provides more clarity and you just keep going. Fantastic. So Karen, what is one piece of advice if you have for our listeners? You know, I do believe a courageous culture feeds being brave at work, that you need to be in a culture that rewards bravery. You can't be the sole brave person in a you know organization where nobody's brave because it just won't work effectively. Uh, you know, what's one or two things that a listener could do to help build or start building a courageous culture at work if they don't think they have one? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is, you know, you may be listening to this podcast and say, this all sounds great. I sure work, wish I worked at a place like that, <laughs> you know? I'm and sure so what I would are. say is start with your sphere of influence. What can you do? You don't need to go change the entire culture, but how do you show up with your team? Even if you're a project manager, even if you're an individual contributor, how do you show up and say, hey, I am really wanting to find, hear your best ideas, you know? And this is what a good idea would accomplish. So get really clear about where is there an area of the business that you wanna have more curiosity? And then start asking people some courageous questions. You know, what's one thing we could do that that uh, could make a difference here? Um, go on a what we call a curiosity tour, which is just show up in in different contexts and be curious about that specific thing. Right? Talk to your peers. Talk to your direct reports. If somebody brings you a great idea, respond with regard, which means let thank people for their idea. Right, give them additional information that would help them flesh that out idea, you know? And so these are things that I think you, any person listening to this podcast could do. And then the other thing I would say is you take a look at the, that idea model. Is it interesting, doable, engaging actions? And the next time you have an idea, think, think how you could position it according to that and watch what happens next. Right. Again, you're talking about practice. Uh, it doesn't mean every time you do it, especially the first time, it's just going to come out of your mouth like butter, right? It might be clumsy, as you said earlier, in respect, but you get better as you go along. So you remind me of one of my favorite phrases, which is uh, think globally, act locally, right? So start with your own team, work to build success that you can then share with others, because if your team is successful, people are more likely to pay attention to what you're doing than just suggesting something for the whole company, which might be too big and may not be work, uh, doable, right? So, well, Karen, thank you so much for your ideas and thoughts. And you know, I'd love to have folks reach out to you if they'd like to talk a little bit about your organization or uh, your story. How can people contact you if they'd like to? Yeah, so our website is called letsgrowleaders.com and you can find, you can download a free chapter of the book. Um, you can learn more about the work that we do. And I'm also very active on LinkedIn. Uh, and as you know, you were a, a guest on Asking for a Friend on last Friday. So uh, it's Karen with an I, Karen Hurt. I love to connect with people on LinkedIn as well. Fantastic. And again, your book is Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. And I will tell you, after doing this podcast for about a year, I've become a bigger student of bravery in the workplace. And, you know, I've only found a handful, if a handful of books that I think really relate to this topic extremely well. And this is one of them. 
So if you are a listener who's thinking about or wants to be more courageous or braver in the workplace, if you're going home every night saying, I should have said something or I should have done something and I didn't, you know, this would be a great book to start. So thanks again, Karen, for your time today. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore Being Brave at Work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on Apple, Google, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available everywhere online. And we just also uh, released the audio version, so you can now get it in paperback, Kindle, or audio. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.